Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Oh, you guys always crack me up, man. You get so quiet so quickly. I'm used to, uh, you know, people taking their time, catching up, being late, running in. Um, It's okay. It's okay. You guys are just ready. Uh, Hey, here's a little something that might help you a little bit this morning. Um, 84 days until Christmas. I'm just saying. (laughs) No, actually what made me think about that was... um, just thinking about the music and, and watching the band, and uh, one of the things uh, that we also like to do, and I want to put a plug out even now, on November 19th, so that is the, the week of Christmas, that Sunday we're doing a concert in here, and uh, it's just going to be a great time of praise and worship, uh, and some of these songs that we've been learning all year are going to be there, and uh, it should be actually really awesome, so... Did I say, no, I said November 19th, right before the Christmas holidays. Sorry if I led you astray. As we thank and praise God. That's the idea right there. Uh, Also, hey, again, I'm I'm trying, I really am trying not to pitch, but I don't know if you saw this. We have a new uh, Hope Church uh, mug here. Uh, I don't have coffee in it. I have water in it, but make sure you get yours today over at Guest Central. It is the season. It is the season. All right, well, this really has been a fun and exciting um, series uh, for me, I could tell you that. And, and, the, and the weird thing about it is it wasn't planned. And if you guys know anything about me, um, that's a real step in a different direction because we plan everything out. So I, I, I want to get a little bit historical as I open up today. Um, Over the past few years, and I've said this before, our leadership has really taken the time um, to work through some really important questions. And honestly, every church that I know of is asking similar kinds of questions. But it's, it's like, why are we here? Where are we going? How do we get there? These are really, really important because the world is changing at a very rapid pace. And coming out of COVID and three years ago, whatever, and we know the statistics, I'm not going to get into that, but we really had to sit down and do a hard look at at our church and say, where are we going and how are we going to get there? And so we've been doing that over the last several years, and it's been uh, quite the experience. And then I would say, in addition to that, you know, as we think about messages and message series, um, Carrie and I, we get together uh, and we begin to map out early in the year where we think we need to go. And, and we spend a lot of prayer, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of thought, we think about a lot of things. We think about, uh, we think about you. What are the things that people need to hear, that uh, people are going through, or things that we believe God is calling us to speak into at that moment in that season? Um, what's going on in our world? You know, where, again, where is our church going? So we map, we think about all these things, and then we kind of lay it out as best we can and just ask for God's help and the Spirit's help in figuring out where we go. So 
we decided, uh, I, really I decided, I was like, I really want to do a series on vision. And then there's no better time to do that in the fall because in the fall we kind of get back to our rhythms, right? In the summer, our, our rhythms get a little bit messed up. Uh, kids are home from school. We go on vacations. We're here, there, and everywhere. Fall is a time where we naturally kind of get back into rhythms of life. And by the way, I believe in rhythms. Rhythms, we need rhythms in our life. But that aside, this is a good say, hey, let's talk about where we are going and what we are doing. But the, the problem was, I just didn't feel solid enough yet for all of the questions that I think we need to be answering. And so I'm like, yeah, I, a couple of months ago, I'm like, I think we need to push this series out. I just not, I, I think we're going to just wait a little bit more to do this. So as it turns out, a couple months ago, we had kind of this, this, this service where it was kind of standalone. We weren't in a series. I was going to do a one-off, and I was like, you know, I want to talk about the importance of vision. And by the way, that led into that first series uh, message called It Starts With a Stirring. Maybe you were there for that. And as I was preparing for that message, I really felt like God was saying, you got to do this as a series. You just got to do it. There's enough in your heart there's enough that leadership knows that we're where we want to go, and there's enough core about this church that you need to just go and take this series and run with it. But I had nothing prepared. And so week to week, it's been an adventure. And really, literally, it's been a week to week um, uh, a journey on this series. But I, I just feel like it's been really helpful for me, and I hope it's been helpful for you. And so that's what we started with. Here it is. It's the stirring. What is it inside of you that grips your heart so much that you have to do something about it? We talked about Popeye, right? Now, I know I'm dating myself when I talk about the Popeye cartoon because I can't stand it no more. Where do we get to in our hearts and in our where we have to do something about it? And that applies both to church life, but it also applies to your heart as well and to your ministry. And so then we moved on to the next week, and I called it this. If it's true, we've got work to do. If all of this stuff that the Bible says, if all this stuff that Jesus taught, all this stuff that he's talking about is true, then we have something to do. And that's the week I talked about we need to go because the church is not going to be a, uh, a, a, just like a country club for Christians, a country club for the saints. It needs to be a hospital for sinners. It needs to be. And that is a core part of what, if you're coming into Hope Church, by the way, I would suggest you go back seven weeks and start listening to this series if you missed any. But that is the core of our heart, that we need to be going out then we moved to the next week, and I called it from knowing to being and doing. Because Christians have this thing about, if I could just know more, if I know more, if I can go deeper, if I can get, all this knowledge is going to make me more spiritual. And I'm going to do a pause on that and a time out and say, no, 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 no. We need to take what we learn, and begin to do something with it. It's not just about knowledge. It's about being the kind of people that God wants us to be. And we looked in that message, we looked at something called the Great Commission. 
That's a term that people use for it. It's, it's, it's go into all the world, preach your gospel to every creature, baptize them in the name of the Father. That's the Great Commission, right? And then we looked at the Great Commandment, which whether you're familiar with church or the Bible or not, you probably have heard this. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Great Commission. And I said this, the Great Commission hinges on our obedience to the Great Commandment. In other words, we can't go if we have not internalized and let the love of God impact our hearts. So that's a really, really important thing. And then we got to the next week, we talked about God's design for community. And Carrie walked us through this, that we must commit to a group of people beyond ourselves. Again, we have a tendency to get cloistered and to go like this. But living in community frees us up. We are on mission together. We need each other. This is going to be a church that takes relational ministry seriously. Then we got to the next week. I called it, It's a Matter of Connection. And man, I have fun with this because this burns on my heart. We talked about relevance. And I said, listen, without relevance, we have very little influence. And I said, relevance, we got to stop thinking about relevance as the cool thing. It's not about being cool. It's about making connection. It's very different. We make the gospel irrelevant when we cannot connect it with other people. We make the gospel irrelevant when we think what we think is more important than what God thinks. Relevance is a matter of connection. And then last week, talked about lay down your life, and I love what Carrie said, and this is what I took away. When we start thinking about meeting the needs in our world, and that could be really big and really overwhelming, and this is going to be a church that's going to call out as best as we can in justice around the world. But she said this, and I, and I love this, who's in your path and what's in your hand? That's where we start. Who's in your path? And what's in your hand? And as I wrap up the series today, I'm going to call it Moving Forward Together. Moving Forward Together. So earlier in the series, I said this. A vision, a stirring, always begins with seeing a problem and feeling compelled to address it. A vision, a stirring, a calling, maybe you could even say, begins with seeing a problem and feeling compelled to address it. You know, this is not anything new. This is, if you've started a business, maybe, this is kind of where this, hey, I think I have this corner on the market that I could introduce this thing. It's not being done I'm going to step into this world. Or I can do this better. I could actually have a company that's a little bit more personable than, than the standard company. Whatever. You see a problem and you mean to go and address it. And when I look at everything we've talked about in this series, it's about our church, Hope Church, and hopefully all of us individually seeing a problem in the world and what are we going to do about it. You know, many uh, pastors and Christian thought leaders have said this, and I think you've probably heard it. 
And it's a criticism of the church, actually. They would say, you know, so many people, when it comes to their faith, they're a mile wide and an inch deep. Have you heard that before? We're a mile wide and an inch deep. And I was thinking about that today. Uh, and and I, again, I'm just going to pause on that and say, I don't know if I fully 100% agree with that. I think what has happened is Christians have begun to dug, dig in and become deep in ways <laughs> that we probably shouldn't be. I think we have sometimes, churches and Christians alike, have grounded ourselves and too deeply grounded ourselves, but in the wrong things. We've entrenched ourselves in the wrong kinds of thinking, in the wrong kinds of circles, in the wrong kinds of politics, in the wrong kinds of ideologies. And here's what I would say, if you get nothing else out of today, and kind of where I want to go with it, is at Hope Church, what I wish most from my pastor's heart is that we would be a people who are thoughtful and wise and discerning. That's the kind of culture that I want to create in this place, that we are wise, that we are thoughtful, and that we are discerning. Remember, vision begins with seeing a problem and feeling compelled to address it. But here's the deal. Too many Christians get comfortable with their own kind that they forget or worse yet, ignore that those around them that are far from God. We become very, very self-focused. Too many Christians believe that Bible knowledge equates to spiritual maturity, and we would call that a mistake. Too many Christians are content to hold up by themselves and not subject themselves to the relationships around them and the wisdom and the accountability of others. Too many Christians dismiss relevance from a place of false piety, end up severing connection, and therefore any influence that they might have with people around them. And too many Christians turn a blind eye to the social injustices in our world, maybe for fear of it getting messy, or it challenges their worldview, which is literally, again, the definition of self-focus. And these and others are problems that I see in the world today, that I see in the church today, that we as leadership at this church see, and I know I'm not alone there. So the question is this, how do we step into this? How do we live wisely and thoughtfully in our world? And so for a few minutes, I want to talk about that today. And if you're taking notes, and again, you could, if you're online, you can follow along online. Very simple today. One point I'm going to make. We are called. I'm just going to just put that out there, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. We are called. What have we been called, you say, Tom? Well, first... We are called by God. We're called into a relationship with God. In fact, if you go, I believe it's John chapter 6, Jesus says, no one comes into a relationship with me unless, I, unless the Father draws them. God has a calling for all of you. He's calling out to each and every one of you. Many of you here in here have accepted that calling, but we are called. We need to understand that. We are called by God. Number two, we are called to go. Again, I'm not going to get deep here. I'm just reshaping. Uh, what does it mean that we are called? We are called to go. We're called to God. We're called to go. We're invited now. We have this relationship with God. We're invited to call others into relationship with God, to go and to call others into relationship. 
And three, what else are we called to? We're called to grow. We're called to grow. We're called to come into community with other people. This is what we call the church. Now, there are a couple words for church in the Bible. One of them is a term maybe you've heard before. It's this term called ecclesia. Now, ecclesia, uh, that's the Greek. Again, remember the Bible was not written in English, so we're translating. So the Greek word was ecclesia. Ecclesia is not a spiritual word. It is not a word that Jesus put out for church or that God instructed. This is what it's called. It is nothing spiritual about this word. In fact, what it was in that day was a gathering. So this was a very generic, contemporary term that people would come together. There was an issue. There was a problem. And they would discuss it and figure out where they would go. In other words, it was a calling together of people. That was what ecclesia meant. And then this word ended up being used for the church. Very generic. We're coming together. That's the other thing I want you to take out of today. I want you to think about that word together. I think we are called by God. We're called to go. And we're called to grow. And so now that we establish what God has called us to, what does that mean for us? So if you have your Bible, uh, you could turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is where we'll be for the rest of our time today. Um, also, again, it will be online, or you can follow along on your phone. By the way, if you do not have the Bible app on your phone, download it. Just look up the Bible app, download it. You can always follow along. You always have the Bible in your pocket there. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. There it is. For you have been called by God. Now, we did a recent uh, series, I think last year, on the book of Ephesians. Anything that you need to know about this is simply this. Paul is writing this book to a church, just like I'm speaking to a church right now. He's writing this to a church that he was mentoring and working through things with and admonishing. Love that word. And this is what he says. I beg you with everything in me to lead a life worthy of the calling that you have by God. And it's important for us to understand maybe what that means. I talked about the translation here and how it ends up being a little bit different in English. Maybe some of your Bibles, instead of that word lead, it uses the word walk. And we're going to use that word. I actually like that word better in this context. That word walk is the Greek word peripateo. And it means several things, but it means to do a complete circle to uh, do something properly, to be very comprehensive. That's what it means. And then I highlight the word worthy. What is that word? Well, that word was axios. And that just simply means something corresponds to something else. He's saying, make your life correspond to this thing. The third word is that word calling. Going back to that. Klesios. And it simply means an invitation. And so if I take those meanings, and I wrote down my little paraphrase here, I want you to see this. This is what Paul may be saying to the church. Do a complete circle and make your life correspond to the invitation of God. Leave that up for a few seconds, Ron. Let's do a complete circle 
and make your life correspond to the invitation of God. Remember what I said? God has called you. You have a different destination now, and you have a different purpose. People at Hope Church, as we are called by God, we have a new purpose now. There's different ways they say it throughout Scripture. But we are called to put off and to put on. We're called to something new. Do a complete circle. Actually, if you look at that word worthy again, there's another meaning that could be here, and it's this idea of a weight or bounce, okay? So it's like it's, like, it's a counterweight here. And I like the idea of live a life or walk a life that's worthy. Like your, your life has a weight to it now. Your purpose, your meaning has a weight to it now. Not just for your life, but it means that for somebody else around you as well. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, you have a higher calling of purpose. So number one, you're called. But number two, we're called to live wisely and thoughtfully. How do we do this? If I skip over to Ephesians, the next chapter, he's still in the same conversation with this church. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. One of my favorite verses, I think, in verse 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool. Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Sometimes, I, forgive me for this, sometimes I want to take Christians by the shoulders and shake them. What are you doing? Fools. We have such a higher calling. We are called, honestly, to a higher standard of living. You're to do a complete circle and get out of where we were before and to go forward with what God has for you now. And that's going to look different for all of us. It's going to look different for all of our lives. But there are certain commonalities, and we're going to get to that in a second, that we're going to see, because he gets very specific in this passage. And I think you're going to see, oh, this might not exactly match up when I think of God, when I think of the church, when I think of Christianity. See, even back then, I think it's, it's interesting, Paul was writing to this church because something was out of line. He had some instructions for them. Even back then, close to the time of Jesus' day, Christians weren't acting so thoughtfully. I think that's a pretty easy assumption that we can make. And how much has changed, I would say? And probably not a whole lot. It seems that it's very easy for followers of God to lose sight of what it means to live thoughtfully and wisely in this world. And my guess is, just a hunch that people looking on the outside in sometimes have a better sense of that than even we do. When the people are on the outside, when I would say people on the let's just make it really super plain and specific. People on the outside of Hope Church, when they see us, do they think of love or hate? Do they think of grace or ungrace? I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like I said, pastors make up words all the time. Ungrace. 
Do people looking in see a high emotional and spiritual IQ or a deficiency there? Do people looking in see hypocrisy or do they see truth and sincerity? Do people looking in see what we are for or what we're against? And if you start going through Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul begins to challenge this church, and it's the same challenge I'm going to give to every single one of us today as we wrap this whole thing up. Where are we going? How are we supposed to be? How are we going to do it? Regardless of the ministry and things that we have laid out, these are what we are called to be, and this is what I desire for this church. Listen, I'm just going to list them, and I'm going to go quick. He starts to list all these things. Ephesians chapter 4, be humble, be gentle, be patient, be loving, be gracious. Don't be immature like kids, he says. By the way, I really, I'm convinced one of the tools the enemy uses is our immaturity. Don't tell lies. Don't get angry so easily, he says. Don't steal. Watch your language and your words. Be kind. I skipped to chapter five. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Don't be a fool. Be wise. Submit to one another. Listen, if you start going down these lists, my question would be, how are you doing with that? I had to ask myself that question this week. How am I doing with that? Easily angered. I've already talked about shaking Christians up today. <laughs> Easily angered, proud, arrogant, Watch my language, my words. Man, I have stories. I bet you do too. I, I have a car. I just, just popped in my head. My car has a license plate that my wife bought me a long time ago as a Red Sox fan. It says seven Bo Sox on it. After Trot Nixon, my favorite player. Uh, I've lived in this town for over 20 years now, and so I have to be very careful because not only do I have an identifiable car, I've had people say to me, I've literally had people say to me, I had somebody just do it a few weeks ago at the post office, I see your car drive around town all the time. And I think about like, and I didn't know this person, what, what is my attitude in my car like in this town? But I'm serious, man. If we can't be that practical about this, then again, our heads are in the clouds. We're not being real. And I think more than anything else, we need to be real. We need to live thoughtfully and wisely in this world. At least that's what it ought to be. But what do people from the outside see? This is the kind of vision that I have for Hope Church. This is the kind of vision our leaders have for Hope Church. This is why we talk so often about what it means to live in such a way that people can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not about us, it's about Him. So I'm going to end with this verse back where I first started. The very next verse, he says, so make every effort. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So there's two pictures that came to me 
One of them is just based right off of what that word means. When we look at that word united, it means harmony and oneness. So I think about the keys over here. I could go over there and play a chord that's really nasty, and you all would know. But if I was playing that right chord, it'd be beautiful. The spirit of harmony. That's what the people need to see when they see this church. Is it something that's a loud gong and a clanging cymbal, like he talks about in another passage of scripture, or is it a thing of beauty? The second thing I thought about was this, my wedding ring. I do lots of, you gotta be careful there. I do lots of weddings. And I talk about sometimes the ring, that it's a binding symbol of oneness, complete circle, harmony, that we don't just give up on a marriage because things get super hard because all marriages go through that kind of thing or a relationship, that we have made a commitment to each other together to live in harmony. And you start plugging in all these other things, humility, and gentleness, and forgiveness, all these different things. Man, it's such a beautiful picture. So as we move forward, may we do it together, harmoniously, in oneness. It's another great passage, as I close, that Paul writes in another book to another church. It says, God chose you to be the holy people he loves. He's talking to the church. So you've got to clothe yourselves in tenderhearted mercy, in kindness, in humility, in gentleness, in patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you because the Lord forgave you, so you have to forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves, here he says it again, with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. Exactly the same statement. And let the peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, oneness, wholeness, unity, we're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Again, it's a picture of the church. It's what we come here to do. It's one of the reasons why we sing but then I love this. Whatever you do or say, this is the being part. It's not just the noise. It's the being and doing part. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We are representatives of God. That's a humbling thing. God, give us the grace so that people, when they look in, they see that. People who aren't going to give up on each other at the drop of a hat. People are going to work out their differences or live, worse, in the tension of the differences because we're called to a higher calling. And this is my heart. And this is my prayer. As we finish up our service today, we're going to actually take communion today. And, uh, I'm going to have our ushers, if they can, and I did not 
make this a perfect you know, scenario here. I'm just gonna have them come and we wanna serve you. This is open to everyone, but I wanna talk about what it is in a second because I think it's the perfect illustration as well. You can take one of these if you'd like or you can just pass it right along. No one's gonna judge you for not taking it if you don't want to. By the way, we also have a gluten-free option for the bread, so if you need that, our ushers will get that to you. Just raise your hand and we'll get you the different wafer that's in this cup. As they're passing that out, I want you to know this. Communion, maybe you've been in churches and they do communion different ways and whatever, but I believe communion is not just an expression of our unity with God, but it's also an expression of our unity with others. This is really interesting to me because I knew I wanted to do communion today, but as I began to look at this even close, closer, this was really, really important. You see, communion is a time that we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we have that picture. His body broken for us, his blood spilled for us. And he says, remember me when you take communion. So we remember this and celebrate the sacrifice of his body and blood. But I believe that communion was meant to be something for the church to do together. It's an act of unity. It's an act of community. It's an act of harmony and it's an act of oneness. 1 Corinthians 11 is the most common passage we look at when we celebrate communion. So many people will use that when we take the elements. And again, we're just holding them right now. We'll take them together in a second. But if I go back to the first chapter in Corinthians, when Paul writes this, this is what he says. Because there was a problem going on in this church. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. There it is again. We're called together as a church. And he's addressing the church. He goes, I beg you, again, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Are we getting the theme here? Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be one of mind and united in thought and purpose. I don't know how much clearer he can get. This whole book starts addressing division in a church, a lack of harmony, disharmony, disunity. So then we get to that famous chapter 11, and he goes on, so you should examine yourself before you eat the bread and you drink the cup. For you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. You're eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. Now it's very appropriate and very biblical to take that as the literal body of Christ, which I started with. He shed his blood, he broke his body for us. But I think it's also appropriate to look at that in the context of the church, his bride, the body of Christ. Because if you look closely, all the verses before that and all the verses after that talk about how the body was not functioning correctly. That the church people were not honoring each other. That there was strife 
in, in um, uh, lack of grace and honor for other people. And then I think about the supper itself, where Jesus sat down with the closest people to him. And he said, let's eat together. And so this is a symbol, not only of Jesus Christ and the amazing sacrifice he gave, but it is a symbol of being a part of his body, the church. So I want us to take the bread. I want us to hold it in our hands. And we are going to take just a moment, your own silent prayer to God, thank him for his body which is broken for you, but also ask God to clear out anything that may be between you and another person, anything that's creating disharmony in your life, God, as I hold this bread, I think about your sacrifice. And I think you're about your body, which was broken for us. I think about hanging on the cross and everything becoming out of joint. And it's the same picture you use for the church, that we not be out of joint that we come together in unity and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread together. We peel back the top layer and get to the juice. Let's hold it in our hands and thank God for the blood that he shed for us. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. It's by the blood of Jesus that we can be healed. God, when I think about this, I think about your sacrifice. And God, as your church, may we be the same symbol. May we pour out for other people. We love you. In Jesus' name. He took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as long as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's stand. God, I'm going to pray over every single uh, person in this room. I thank you for this church. I thank you for hope that we have in you. 
I thank you for calling us together in this time, in this place, in this season. May we move forward together in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace. Make us harmonious and one. And we do all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When people look in on the outside, let them see something that though we have problems and issues and struggles, that they see harmony and a peace that passes all understanding. May that be the very definition of our life. It's not about how much we know. It's about the kind of people you're calling us to be. Help us to lead the way in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.